One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Detective is brought to you by crimefeed.com. You crave a good mystery, and CrimeFeed.com is your 24-7 source for getting your fix. From criminals behaving badly to the most absurd crimes of our time, CrimeFeed brings you the real story. CrimeFeed.com Due to the graphic nature of the content, Detective may not be suitable for all audiences. But can you get away with murder? Sure. Yes, you can. I had 31 cases that were unsolved out of all my cases. 31. 17 of them, I know who did it. I can't prove it. 14 of them, I don't have a clue. Someone on this planet. If you've been listening to Detective, you know we've talked about the three motives for murder. But what happens when a case can't be solved? I'm Garnsey Sloan for Investigation Discovery, and this is Detective. True stories from behind the yellow tape, the ones you don't hear on TV. On this episode, Lieutenant Kenda talks about the cold case. How does a case go cold and what can be done about it? A cold case is the worst circumstance for everyone. I say worst because no one wants a case to ever be cold. The family of the victim doesn't want it. The police don't want it. Prosecution doesn't want it. Nobody wants it. Everybody wants things to be resolved. We like clean stories as a people. We have a story. We have a beginning, a middle, and a satisfying end. In a cold case, it's the beginning and the middle and more of the middle and more of the middle. And then never comes. How does it happen? Lots of ways. One way is sometimes the perpetrator is just lucky. Not smart. Not genius. He fails to leave much behind. There is little or no trace evidence that can lead to his identification. Nobody sees him. Nobody hears him. Nothing happens. This person commits this crime. There are a number of people 
who could be the person, but what is it that resolves it? What is it that says it's you and not somebody else? That's one way. Another way is you have a victim who has many enemies. You don't have a suspect, you have many suspects. In reality, you have too many suspects. I had a murder case once where a guy was so universally despised. A hundred people promised to kill him. Fifty people were on their way over to do it when somebody else did it. He was a piece of work. He sold narcotics. They weren't narcotics. They were bunk junk on the street. Bunk junk is dope that isn't dope. So you sell chips of ivory soap because they're yellowish and they look like crack cocaine for 20 bucks a pop for each little flake of ivory soap. And when you put them in your crack pipe, bubbles come out instead of crack smoke. And you're not happy, but you can't find him because he's in the wind. He was holding up a sign over his head that said, murder me, please. Let me give you 50 reasons why you should murder me. And he did precisely that. That case drove me crazy. We finally did resolve it, but it was cold for three years. Because where do you begin? Did you do this? I wanted to. I didn't, but not that I wouldn't have. Now, other circumstances make things go cold when witnesses lie. They protect people. They provide an alibi to the accused. They provide an unbreakable alibi. I was with him. He was with me at this location. He could not have been there. He thus had no opportunity to commit the crime. And I will testify to that in a grand jury. I will say that because that's what happened. You're stuck with that. If you can't break that, if you can't get around it, it stops there. The good news is, in cold cases, things progress. We now have tests available we didn't have available 20 years ago. We have techniques available now that we didn't have 10 years ago. But more importantly than that, relationships change. People lose their fear of someone. They lose their loyalty to someone. They make the decision that they're more concerned now about the victim than they were at the time. They can't live with their guilt of concealing their knowledge of this event. All sorts of things happen that make people come forward. Or if recontacted, they will break down and tell you. You also have the hell hath no fury angle. The guy gets divorced from the wife who was his alibi. We're no longer in love. No, now I'll tell you. Many people have been arrested because of those events. But can you get away with murder? Sure. Yes, you can. I had 31 cases that were unsolved out of all my cases, 31. 17 of them, I know who did it. I can't prove it. 14 of them, I don't have a clue. Someone on this planet, those grind at me. They grind at me. You never forget. You never stop thinking about them. I worked cases for years. I had a guy once who I accused of murder. I said some horrible things to him. 
and he was busy removing a piece of lint from his blue jeans during that conversation because he couldn't care less because he's sociopathic. He didn't feel any emotions. I'm ranting, and he's on the verge of falling asleep. Those things can make you crazy. There were times when I woke up in the middle of the night to put write notes. I kept a notepad next to my bed. Now that's crazy. But I did that. You do whatever it takes, whatever you think it takes. My longest investigation was nine years. It was a cold case for nine years. Similar circumstance, too many suspects. Victim had a long criminal history. Victim was somebody nobody cared about who uh, worked for Goodwill Industries and supposedly committed crimes. The thing that was so sad about it was that this particular guy had been hit by a car when he was a eight-year-old kid. And it reduced him to the mentality of an eight-year-old that lasted all of his life. His parents died. There was no one else to care for him. When he was in his 30s, he winds up being collected by some community program. And he gets a job and he, uh, there, and he lives in this really bad motel that catered to every criminal in El Paso County. He was unable to assess his friends. He could not assess people and how sincere they were in making friends with him. He wasn't capable of that. So people would make friends with him because they took his money, they drank his whiskey, they committed crimes and blamed him for them. He got arrested all the time. He never got convicted of anything because he never did anything. But he had this huge criminal record. He is truly a poor soul that nobody cared about, nobody, except me. I cared about him. Somebody stabbed him 31 times and stole a $40 radio. A $40 radio you can buy anywhere for little or no money. A very, very cheap product. They killed for it. We worked and worked and worked. I had 52 suspects in that case. I had a new detective come into me and uh, come in the unit, and I said, I want you to work this lead on this case, this old case. Well, that's that guy from the west side from the motel, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, who cares about him? <laughs> the other guys in the unit just turned their head away because they knew what was coming. I turned white. I said, don't you ever, ever say that to me. You say that to me ever again, and you're going to be writing tickets at the airport from midnight to eight with Tuesdays and Thursdays off. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Now go work that lead. Nine years later, I arrest two people. I convict him of first-degree murder. He got to stay in court. So a long time. Other people out there aren't ever going to have their day in court. I did everything humanly possible to resolve that and was unable to. They haunt me, those. Do you think, what did I not do? What mistake did I make? What did I not pay attention to? You torture yourself with it, I do. I still do. Here, Lieutenant Kenda describes how this case was finally solved with DNA. There was this new thing designed for a medicinal purpose by a British doctor called DNA analysis, deoxyribonucleic acid. 
he figured out a way to identify body fluids by their DNA code. He got the Nobel Prize for being so brilliant. The British police figured they might be able to use that. 1987, they started using it. Using as a way to divine a suspect, as it were, that if you stuck the needle in the right guy and analyzed his DNA versus a body fluid left at a crime scene, bingo. Can't be anybody else. It's only him. All you had to prove was he didn't have an identical twin. That testing did not exist at the time. This particular crime, multiple stab, done with a pocket knife. There's no hilt on a pocket knife. There's nothing to stop your hand. As you continually stab someone forcefully, the blood gets slimy and all over the blade and all over the handle. And your hand slips down the knife. And you get cut. And that blood is from the bad guy not from the victim. The victim is attacked in a sitting position at the base of a bed. He's drunk at the time. All the savagery takes place in that position. He never moves. He is stabbed to death where he's sitting. But there's drop bleeding in various places in this apartment. Now, drop bleeding is gravity bleeding from an incised wound. Perfectly circular drops of blood starbursted around the edges where blood is dropping off of a wound. Generally, the hands and the extremities, so the clothing doesn't trap it. So you look at those dots on the floor and you say, hey, our man's hurt, because that's his, and not the victim's. But at that time, blood analysis could only get you in an area of, say, 800,000, maybe a million people. However, DNA comes along. I submit those samples. That was the first case in the history of the state of Colorado that used DNA to convict somebody. The wizardry of science. The defense didn't know what to do. It's his blood. It's him. Period. I asked Lieutenant Kenda if it's more frustrating to have a cold case or to have a murderer that got away with it. The two that got off were more frustrating than the 14 that went cold. Because I had them. And the jury disagreed with me. I couldn't believe that. Still can't. That was worse because I never got close in the 14. I never got close. Those two, I knew which one. I knew all the details. I had all the evidence in the world. The jury in one case felt sympathy. Another case, a pang of religion. He took the stand in the face of a ton of physical evidence and said, as God is my witness, I didn't do it. And they believed him. In the other case, sympathy for the victim. He claimed self-defense. I said second-degree murder. I was right. Lieutenant Kenda describes high-profile cold cases that have made the national news. There are lots of cases out there that are widely known and never been resolved. One common reason is gross deficiency in the investigation. Mistakes were made that you cannot recover from legally, okay? In other cases, they happen because that there are, there's no witnesses. There's no physical evidence of value. There are no anybody that knows anything, an alibi has been established, and on and on. So in those cases, unless those circumstances change, loyalties change, new techniques are developed to examine what evidence does exist, 
That case is likely to never be resolved. In the case of gross deficiencies made in the initial course of the investigation, those cases cannot be solved. They cannot. They've been legally destroyed. That happened in a number of famous cases, JonBenet Ramsey being one, gross deficiencies in the initial phase of the investigation that preclude a successful prosecution of anybody in that case. That's why nobody's ever been arrested, because it's never going to go anywhere, period, the end. It'll never get past the preliminary hearing. You couldn't get it past the preliminary hearing without a confession. Mistakes are made. It's a simple thing. I always thought it was. Picture a murder case as a spinning top on a table. It's made to spin. It spins absolutely perfectly. You, as a detective should stand there and admire it for as long as is necessary to decide the parameters of this case. If you touch it too quickly, too firmly in the wrong place, it scoots off that table and it disappears. And you never get it back. You've only got one chance at these and only one chance to do it right. The Casey Anthony case... One is very widely spoken about. The law in the state in which she was tried required a death penalty application for the crime she was charged. Who's Casey Anthony? That confused female who is sitting there accused of the death of her daughter? You think a jury's going to kill her? No. They might throw her in jail. They're not going to kill her. And the way this case was charged in the law in that state... They had no choice. Just find her guilty and give her death or walk her. They don't want to kill her, so they walked her. This is both the blessing and the curse of a jury system. Mistakes get made both ways. They find innocent people guilty and guilty people innocent for various reasons. But if you think of a jury system as finders of fact, oh, no, that's a mistake. Because they're not. They're people. People off the street who make decisions for the worst possible reasons, but they decide. How do you look? What do you say? What do you appear like? What did you do exactly? Was it something really evil, or is it just something stupid? All sorts of factors come into play. So, that's part of the design of the criminal justice system, to prevent draconian and ruthless punishment. But at the same token... It allows room for error. It allows room for convictions of people who probably didn't do anything wrong and for the release of other people who obviously did. But this is our system, and overall, I'd rather not have any other system. There is nothing perfect in this world. It would be a nice thing if there were, but there isn't. As imperfect as it is, it's better than anything else. And our system for all its weaknesses and all its mistakes and all its successes is still probably better than anything else I've seen. So we will accept it for what it is, imperfections and all. Detective is produced by Investigation Discovery with special thanks to Kevin Bennett, Amy Angelowitz and Emily Kaiser. Many thanks to the best audio engineer in the business, the mighty Joe Powers. Original music was composed by the talented Chris Kennedy. Cover art was designed by Anand Galat. Sign up now at iTunes to get Detective on your feed. 
And join me, Garnsey Sloan, every week for a new episode. Next time on Detective. When I would get people ask me, what can I do to get into homicide? My first question before they ever applied, what do you want to do that? Why do you want to do that? The answer would pique my interest or make it fade away. So if you show up to my office for your interview, and I'm very honest with you, and I say, you know, you're on call, means you have to respond. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter what's going on, you go. 